here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. Rob McCarron. Should we begin with the puking, or should we begin with the topics that will change the face of WWE forever? Jeff Hawkins. We are not here to talk about Curtis Hughes. You're listening to Shake Them Ropes with Rob McCarron and Jeff Hawkins. Nobody's listening for hockey talk. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Shake Them Ropes. It is Rob McCarron here alongside Jeff Hawkins. As per usual, it is June 16th that we are recording this right at 5 p.m. Eastern because we're so good at keeping a schedule. Jeff, hello. How are you? Glitter, glitz, sparkle. I'm fine. (laughs) Hmm. I miss that music. I miss that intro. I miss my cute little blue Alexa Bliss. And now she's a orange creamsicle. It's now nice. She is this red hot leader of a trio. Her boys. And she Bamf. calls them. Dalton Castle has his boys. Alexa Bliss has her boys. That would be quite the <laughs> six man tag. Just saying. Just saying. It is the 90th episode of Shake Them Ropes. We are going to talk about the happenings of Raw, which were not a lot. We're basically going to be talking about Brock and Kevin. Basically those two guys, and that's about it. Uh, match number 74 on our top 100 WWE Network matches to see before you die countdown. Match number 74, stunning Steve Austin versus Ricky the Dragon Steamboat from Bash at the Beach 1994, the very first ever Bash at the Beach. Uh, we're going to talk about that later on in the show. We are briefly going to get into the two pay-per-views this weekend. Nothing from WWE because we just had money in the bank. We're going to talk just briefly about TNA Slammiversary and some scheduling craziness. We're going to talk about Jay Lethal versus Jay Briscoe for the uh, for both titles, the TV and yes. World Championships in Ring of Honor. Um, but first, we are mm-hmm. going to open with a topic, Jeff, that you wanted to briefly discuss a little bit. And after you briefly discuss it, because I have a feeling I know what you are going to say about it, I am going to tell you where you're wrong. <laughs> because I've already written it out elsewhere. Because um... you've written it out elsewhere, yes. You wanted, <laughs> sir to discuss what aired on WWE Network last night at 11.08 oh. p.m. Eastern. This was, th- this tribute to the dream was lazy. It was pure laziness on their part. And it, it the more I've thought about it, the more angry I get because they've, in essence, treated the ultimate warrior better than Dusty Rhodes. What they did was they took the first half of the Dusty Rhodes documentary that's already on the network from 2006 shoehorned in a couple of Jerry Lawler stand-ins in a, in a dark studio and then added in a few newer interviews, which is okay. I mean, the Flair and the Triple H ones were really good. The Stephanie one was terrible. Absolutely terrible. You know what her memories of Dusty Rhodes are? She, she had a photo of him when, he was, when she was a kid and the angle where she emasculated him in 2013. That's that's her memories of a guy who has worked with the WWE for the last 10 years. 
especially in creative. That's her memories. And then they ended with a montage of superstars, some of them being very, very good. Like, I liked the uh, Owens uh, intro. I liked uh, what Cesaro had to say. But then you'd also shoehorn in Callisto, who basically said, he taught me to have a dream, an American dream. And I'm like, oh, this is this is how, I mean, I would have much rather had a Legends Roundtable. You take Heyman, JR, Arn, uh, Lawler, you could buy in Tully and bring in Flair and just have them tell Dusty stories for an hour or two. And that'd be a great thing. And I hope they still are doing something else for the network. But this, for, for everything we laud about the WWE being this great video company that can put together packages on the fly and whatnot, this is just lazy on their part. To, for for a guy of Dusty's stature, I think. Now tell me why I'm wrong. You couldn't be any more wrong. You couldn't be any more wrong. First of all, the Ultimate Warrior tribute that aired shortly after his death was also was it video packages sure, but... from the DVD that was but they produced. Did, but did they make it? But didn't they make a new video for him? No. Especially about the behind the scenes stuff. They, at well, they did the they did the behind the scenes stuff, which was going to be part of. Uh, I believe either part of the DVD or part of just a special from WrestleMania week. And then because of the death, they made it, you know, they made a special for him. Yes, but that's because new footage was shot specifically with the ultimate warrior in mind. It's not like they've been following around dusty roads for the last week and could do something like that. Yeah. But they also have 25 years of material they could draw from that. A lot of it that's been digitized. That was on 24 seven that they could make something new out of. They have a lot of material. And you know what they did with that material once? They made a package. So are, I mean, are, what are people wanting? Are people wanting them to use the same best of Dusty Rhodes that has already you know, been put in a produced package no, and just make I, it different as in like reshuffling the clips? I mean, they already no, made I, a package for him. So if that's the best tribute, put that out there. It's a story of his life. It's already been produced. There's no need to reproduce something that's already been produced if it's going to be the same thing. You, you know what I think they want? I think they want... Because this is how this came off to me. This is a character eulogy rather than a person eulogy. I think they want more reverence as opposed to he was so entertaining. He was so entertaining. It's it's like when they did the Owen thing the day after he died and, and all anybody ever said was he was so funny backstage. He used to pull a lot of pranks. He was so funny backstage. It, it, there's not any depth to it at all. And I think that's what people want a little bit more of. They want a little bit more... They don't, I mean, not necessarily people crying, but, you know, stories about the man rather about rather than about the time he was dressed up in polka dots. All right. You well, know? let me go even, through. Even, let- even, even, and even maybe even get into, like, all the innovations he made when he was a booker or when he was in creative. How about some of that going? You know, more about the man and, and less about the on-screen. It, it, was, it, it came off like a it, – it was a eulogy for a television character. That's what it was. I think that's the disconnect. Yeah, I didn't I didn't see that at all. But you talked about Callisto being shoehorned in there. Callisto said more than just, you know, he taught me to, you know, have an American dream. He told him that they would talk lucha in WWE when he when he went to the performance center. And that was Callisto's close personal connection to Dusty because he worked in NXT with Dusty Rhodes, taught him to have a voice. I mean, there's a reason why Callisto was included, is because he worked closely with Dusty Rhodes not like it was just some random superstar who was included. Well, hold on. Stop it. 
But it's not just some random superstar, okay? You talked about Stephanie's memories. First of all, this is the woman that came on WWE TV one time and told her about she was a little girl on Big Show's knee, okay? Yeah. yeah. Stephanie's memories aren't exactly the greatest. And it's not like she was working next to him for 15 oh. years, okay? He he was in one place, and it's not like they're just, you know, it, Triple H works closely with NXT. Doesn't mean he works every single minute of the day next to Dusty Rhodes. And these guys are work compadres. Dusty wait, Rhodes, wait, Triple wait, H, wait, and all wait. these guys. No, oh, no you no, stop. You stop. You're I'm not wrong. Stop it. Stop it. Here because Dusty was on the writing staff before NXT, where yeah. Stephanie was head of creative. Stephanie made it about herself. That's the problem I had with her. Okay, well, I don't, okay, I don't, you have, may a, have, I don't have a problem. Hold on. I don't may, have a problem with the NXT people. You may the, have a the, the point about Stephanie. But okay. Stephanie, but you can't you can't shame the entire one hour little tribute show just because you didn't like what one person said in it. I'm not shaming it. It's it's fine for what it was. It's just lazy. It was lazy to take a DVD that was already ten years old and basically call it a new tribute to Dusty Rhodes. They weren't calling it a new tribute to Dusty. They were saying it was their tribute to Dusty Rhodes, and they included that part of the DVD because it allowed people who may not have been familiar with Dusty Rhodes because, let's face it, there are people who are not familiar with him. He hasn't been an on-screen character for any length of time uh, since, you know, not counting TNA, since really the late 1990s. So there are some people that, you know, aren't necessarily familiar with the history of Dusty Rhodes. So you include that to give the people a sense of what Dusty Rhodes may have meant to wrestling and and his rise up in pro wrestling. So you include that. And it's already been produced. You don't have to repackage everything and make a whole new thing with footage if it's already been there. You had the new interviews from superstars around WWE. You had the new interviews from Ric Flair and Triple H and Stephanie McMahon. You had Jerry Lawler introducing the package, uh, which was not included on the DVD. That's, you know, new stuff produced for it. And they did it, you know, all while during the weekend – the creative team was busy making packages for Money in the Bank. I mean, all these guys still had to work their regular thing. So it's not like they're going to go all out and go full time on a Dusty Rhodes tribute. And not even that, you had tributes all throughout Money in the Bank. You had tributes all throughout Raw. It's not like these guys were just saying, oh, we're going to throw something together for an hour and, you know, we're not really going to think about it until then. I mean, there were tributes all weekend. There's not really anything much else for people to say than what had been said. And the tribute was... Not just, okay, let's sit around and talk about Dusty for an hour. I mean, the tribute was, okay, this is why he was important to us. And we're going to have some clips from guys who say why he was important to us. Uh, you had written down somewhere that you would have rather had, like, Tully Arn and a bunch of the old timers who were around with Dusty in late 80s, early 90s, uh, and all throughout his career, sit down for an hour. Who's to say they won't do that at some point? No, I'm hoping it's not they like, do. It's not like these guys were just around all in the same place and could have done that for an hour. I Hold mean, on. Well, no, they had they have Heyman around. They have Arn around. They they brought in Flair for the special things, and they had Lawler around. That's four. Put them in the studio. Let them talk. That's all I wanted. But you know what? And they might still. I've, I don't have any problem with what they did on Money in the Bank. I don't have any problem with what they did on Raw. Actually, the only problem I have on Money in the Bank, I already went over when Vince did the stanky leg when he was about ready to start dancing. But other than and that, what, you know. Why I is just... that a problem? The guy was into the theme song. He was celebrating. The whole thing was a celebration. It's not like he was going out there making a fool of himself. He was getting into the music. I'm a lot less angry than you think I am. I'm just more annoyed, I think, than. <laughs> well, quit, quit trying to make. This is what I would say, not just to you, but people in general who may have been disappointed. And I don't, I don't think the prevailing thought is that people were disappointed. Yeah, some people were making comments about how, oh, this is just the DVD. Well, what else did you expect? It was the same thing for Warrior. Okay, it was the same thing for Savage, by the way. 
I mean, the Savage video package that aired was clips from the DVD. I mean, that's how clips from the DVD are clips that they have. You know, that's what the footage is that they have. But I think, you know, I think if you're disappointed by this special, you should really just stop trying to be disappointed in everything because it may not have been what you did. And this is what they did. I think we expect more from the WWE because they have such a vast they have such vast resources to pull from. I mean, you have, yeah, the creative team was working on the pay-per-view, but they have an entire video editing shop in Stamford. So, I mean, it's fine. Let's move on. We, yeah. we, I've, I've gotten it out of my system. And it was the weekend, by the way, too. Some of those people were probably at home. Just saying. Cash money. Bring them in. It's an emergency. I found nothing wrong with it. Uh, Voicesforwrestling.com slash STR. Uh, if you want to support the show, if you're going to make purchases on Amazon, you can go to voicesofwrestling.com slash Amazon and uh, we get a little kickback from any of the purchases you make. It's free to do so. There's no extra cost for you. So we're just asking if you're already purchasing on Amazon and if you like the show, maybe help us support us a little bit. Uh, right now, it is TNA week at <laughs> voicesofwrestling.com for those who might be interested because it is the 13th anniversary of their first show, their first weekly pay-per-view. June 19th, 2002 was TNA's first show. Uh, so after we get through Raw, we're going to talk a little bit about the 13th anniversary, Slammiversary. That's right, TNA has a pay-per-view coming up. Uh, so we'll talk a little bit about that. But before we do, Jeff Hawkins, Brock Lesnar is back. Yeah, I thought it was a pretty good uh, pretty good episode of Raw. For the, I mean, at least the first ha- hour and a half, I really enjoyed. And then it kind of dragged a bit, and then Brock came back. Yeah. Brock came back. That's right. The star of the first hour. What would you say the first hour was kind of, and I saw a lot of responses that it was a little weird show. I mean, you had the whole thing with R-Truth and Wade Barrett, uh, R-Truth coming out with what looked to be a white sheet on his back, you know, making fun of the King garb of King Barrett. You had mm-hmm. Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose with the long promo and Dean Ambrose getting a match with Sheamus. And that was a little show long uh, storyline with Randy Orton and Sheamus. Uh, so it looks like Seamus and Randy Orton is a match we're headed to towards battleground. looks like we're yeah. not necessarily done with Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose. While at the same time we did get Dean or uh, Seth Rollins going into a program right away at battleground with Brock Lesnar, Brock Lesnar back from suspension. The whole idea behind it is the fact that triple H and Stephanie are bringing Brock back because they know he's the toughest and only challenge apparently for Seth Rollins because they want to see if Seth Rollins is truly worth the investment that they've had, and this is the final test for Seth. That's such a ridiculous story. But uh, you're you're going to ask me who did I think the star was of the first hour? Is I was going to say, well, who who's the star? Because the star of the second hour, I think, is undoubtedly Kevin Owens. The star of the yes. third hour was the fact that Brock Lesnar came back. But yes. Did Seth Rollins in his promo uh, come up with enough to be the star of the first hour? Was it Dean Ambrose, you know, selling the leg like a crazy man? Was it... Was it Seamus somehow? Uh, who was the star of the weird first hour? Seth Rollins was absolutely fantastic in that opening promo. Yep. Absolutely fantastic. He was, he angered a crowd. I loved it. Um, Johnny loved, idiot face. Johnny idiot face. You, you know, and, it, and it's that kind of Miz talking about the sports teams heat, but it was still, it was still well-timed and well-delivered. Monday night Rollins was clever. Him taking out the list and thanking himself was great. I loved it. I loved everything about that promo. I loved I like you know what? I I told you I 
tagged you on Twitter about this. I think Dolph Ziggler gave his best promo, shortened to the point before that great match with Owens. That was fantastic. Well, what I liked about Dolph is that, yes, he was shortened to the point. Because sometimes when you give Dolph enough mic time, I mean, he kind of puts his foot in his mouth. He doesn't really doesn't really get out there any reason why you should actually like what he's doing. He says the same thing over and over. And yeah, this was kind of him saying the same thing over and over, but the people are so anti Kevin Owens and so want to see someone beat him. Like, because Kevin Owens does his job so well that they were well behind Dolph. And of course it was kind of his hometown, like Cleveland. Usually when they're there, it's Dolph Ziggler's hometown because he was born in, uh, well, he went to Kent state. Was he born in Akron? I always forget with Dolph. I'm not his biographer. You are not? <laughs> what? When, I don't know. Okay, well, I'm going to look here. and Because okay. I, I think it's the Kent State connection. Uh, born yes. in Cleveland, Ohio. Yeah, born in Cleveland, Ohio. Okay. Yep, well, there you go. Hometown boy. Uh, I, but, liked the, I liked the Ambrose-Sheamus uh, match up until maybe we have to see the 800th time of Orton-Sheamus. But, Orton you know, Sheamus it is, is what it is. Orton-Sheamus going to yeah. be, uh, looks uh, likely for Battleground. Don't know exactly what you do with Dean if he's not going to be wrestling Seth at Battleground. I mean, what what could he possibly be doing unless they put him in with Sheamus and Randy somehow? Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, yeah, uh, we got Kevin Owens beating Dolph Ziggler in a pretty fun match. Hell of a match. Kevin Loved Owens it. getting a strong win. But what everyone is remembering from Kevin Owens on this Monday Night Raw is murdering Machine Gun Kelly. Wrestling has a long and storied history of guys murdering bad rappers. <laughs> you had Mike Awesome and the Insane Clown Posse, and now we have this. <laughs> Kevin, well, yeah. what I'm hoping this does is get a little attention on Kevin Owens, because Kevin Owens has probably been the one in WWE for the last two months, I think, to garner the most attention. Yeah. You know, he was getting an article in Rolling Stone. This guy was blowing up Twitter and Instagram. Uh, Kevin Owens getting some mainstream press and this certainly doesn't hurt, but it also illustrates just one step further how behind Kevin Owens WWE is because he's the one who was picked for this little spot with Machine Gun Kelly. People kind of getting on Machine Gun Kelly for not selling enough. I think I think that's a little nitpicky. And and I'm the king of nitpicking. Hey, hey, you know what? I'm the I'm the king of effing nitpicking. They here. got they got him to take a power bomb on TV when he certainly didn't have to. Bad so let, respect. So let's Matters. yeah. I mean, a lot of times you see guys who say, "Oh yeah, I love WWE. I want to be a part of it." Blah blah blah. So they come on the show, but they don't do anything physical, and that's perfectly fine. They don't have to do anything physical on the show. But they probably came up to Machine Gun Kelly and said, "Hey, would you be open to this?" And he did something that most others wouldn't do. And he said, you know what? Yes, I would be open to that. The fact that you got him to do anything, who cares if he got up right away? After all, it was a power bomb. People kick out from that all the time. Yes. They're not skinny little guys like this, but I'm sure machine gun Kelly has been in his fair share of fights. Uh, you also have machine gun Kelly on Twitter after the fact, you know, tried to save face a little bit. Like if all of this were real, say Kevin Owens actually went out there and power bombed him. If you're a machine gun Kelly and you don't want to be punked out, you're going to come out on Twitter the next day and say, you know what, Kevin Owens, if that was your best shot. Well, I took your best shot and I got right up like, oh, I just I just would like you guys, some of the guys who are thinking he's no selling this to just clear out a little bit, be calm, understand he didn't have to do it at all. And the fact that he took it and they got some press out of it, that's the story. So we went on Twitter to try and save face. I don't think that's a big deal to you. 
No, I think it's probably the best celebrity bump since Piven. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah, probably. That I can think of. I mean, I, I can't think of a... I, yeah, I think it's just weird because I understood if you were like, oh, he got up so... He got up so quickly. Like, okay. That wasn't that wasn't his fault. That was the camera catching it. And they won... And, well, they they help him out. It's not like he was walking on his own power. He was trying to right. get up because he was, a, he was a guy who just in his hometown was punked out, okay? Yeah. But the Twitter thing, like, this is Machine Gun Kelly. This is rapper guy, whatever. He... If it were real, he would want to say face. It's not like he went out on Twitter and said, oh, me and Kevin Owens are great friends. That was fun, blah, blah, blah. He actually did sell it. He sold yeah. it like this guy on TV punked him out. I'm fine with it. And a day I'm later, when he's away from Kevin Owens, is the guy saying, ha ha, I took your best shot. You can't do anything that, that you know, didn't hurt me. It's not like he's right in front of Kevin Owens saying that didn't hurt me and staring right at, you know, over him. I, I thought there was nothing wrong with it. In fact, I think that might enhance it. Like, Kevin Owens is the bad guy after all. You want to see Kevin Owens get his ass kicked. I have a uh, supplemental question here since we've discussed both of them now. Mm-hmm. Is there any concern on your part? And there probably isn't any concern. I'm, this, I'm, I'm being facetious when I say that because you're never concerned about anything. <laughs> that Kevin Owens, the champion of your developmental territory is stronger than the champion of your main territory? No. Okay. If he was going okay. to go back to NXT and be there and not on TV, WWE TV anymore, yeah, this probably isn't the smartest move. Like, I understand you would want to, you know, prop up NXT, make it feel important. But the idea here is Kevin Owens happens to be the NXT champion, but that's probably not going to last for a couple of more weeks. I mean, July 4th at the latest is Kevin Owens' last, you know, time with this title, I think. Like, yeah. I think he loses to Finn Balor. But yep. he's a WWE guy. I mean, you want to make him strong. He's a top heel. And Seth Rollins is the smarmy heel. I mean, they have different roles. I don't, think, I don't think there's concern at that fact yet because, you know, in Vince's mind and Triple H's mind, you know, Kevin Owens is the WWE guy now. They, he just hasn't lost that championship. And at the same time, it does prop up NXT. Hey, this NXT champion yeah. is beating up these guys. Maybe we should watch NXT. Maybe there's other, you know, big talents down there. If it helps, you know, 1,000 people watch NXT that wouldn't normally have, I think that's a little bit of a win. And if it helps, maybe, you know, 10,000 people subscribe to the network to find out what they keep talking about with NXT. That's a win. And Seth Rollins, hey, you know what? It wasn't the strongest win possible, but sure, they did try to sell it on Raw you know, this week, like I thought when Seth Rollins won the ladder match at money in the bank, that they were going to keep going with Seth Rollins and Dean and Dean would come out and say, you know what? I didn't lose that fair and square. I came down with the belt too. Let you know, the belts kind of both of ours, blah, blah, blah. No, Dean Ambrose said he lost fair and square. Dean Ambrose didn't come down with the belt. Seth Rollins did. That's how it went. Seth Rollins got a strong win after the fact. I would, I guess we were just afraid on Sunday night. As soon as that pay-per-view ended, that they wouldn't push it as a Seth Rollins strong win, that, you know, Dean, you know, came down with the belt too. Now they kind of pushed it as a Seth Rollins strong win. And for that, you know, I'm happy with it. I'm happy with that. I'm happy I, with that. I'd, I'd like to see him get a win over Brock, but I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't think so. What I would really like to see is, and not Joey Mercury on Raw, which is a match that it looks like we might be getting, but I would like Seth Rollins yeah. just to go out there and have the same match with Dolph Ziggler, or have the same match with Mark Henry or have the same match with one of these guys that might be a little bit bigger than him too. Uh, okay. And just get a win in 10 minutes, just get a strong win on TV 
Like it doesn't have to be a guy that you're also pushing. He can come out and beat, uh, I don't know, Luke Harper. Maybe not Luke Harper. Who's not a, a distraction win, a clean win. A clean win against a Mark Henry, against somebody. Have the match with Kane and have Seth Rollins beat him clean before Battleground. Man, I thought that's what we were getting again. They keep they keep blue balling us on this thing that it's going to be Kane and Seth Rollins. Kane and Seth Rollins. It's amazing because I want to see that match. Do you? I do. Okay. I want to see Seth Rollins and Kane. If only for the fact that we won't have to worry about when they're going to do it later. Yeah. Once it's over, it's over. Okay. But I want to see that one a little bit. Uh, but your big match, yeah, Seth Rollins, Brock Lesnar. They're doing this right away at Battleground, so they're not waiting uh, until SummerSlam for that. Uh, they could mm-hmm. do it again at SummerSlam, I suppose, but that kind of kills everything. So we got Seth Rollins, Brock Lesnar. Is Brock Lesnar winning the championship back already at Battleground in St. Louis? Like, is the summer of Seth over? Mm, I would think that they'd want to change the title at SummerSlam, but I don't know the plans. I mean, if the plan is still Seth Triple H at SummerSlam, yeah, he's losing it, and then he's blaming the authority, and then you have that as the match. Yeah, so you're, yeah, I mean, that very well could be it. I think Triple H and Seth might be a more important match than Brock and Seth too, unless Seth was going in as a clean victor over Brock in the first match. Like, that's something you can do. SummerSlam could be a big event if you have Seth Rollins and Triple H, if you have Brock Lesnar and... Who would it be? Roman Reigns? Like, would that be the match that you do uh, to main event SummerSlam? Roman and Brock, the rematch. Brock goes in as the champion, just like at WrestleMania. Roman goes in, and now you don't have to worry about Seth Rollins with the briefcase cashing in. Uh, you can play up story, play up a story like Sheamus has the briefcase. What if the same thing happens, and maybe they do some type of gimmick match? Um, is it is it wrong that I think they're keeping Roman very far away from this main event title picture for a wa- for a few months until they decide to start heating him up for WrestleMania. Well, that's again, what you got with Bray Wyatt being involved because yeah. Bray Wyatt and Roman Reigns probably isn't just for five weeks unless they just want to get Roman a win on the way to Brock Lesnar again. Right. Like I could see it going both ways, but it's not normally what WWE does when you start a program of this magnitude. And yes, Bray but- Wyatt and Roman is a program of some significance because Bray Wyatt has been in main event pictures ever since the John Cena match. But like to start and stop this in five weeks doesn't make a whole lot of sense. In fact, in for what WWE usually does. Yeah. But I mean, you have a whole bunch of other guys you have. Now you have the, uh, you have Ambrose, you have Sheamus Mm -hmm. with a briefcase. Uh, You have Kane around. You have other guys here. You can feed to Brock. Yeah. So, and you do have other guys, but none of those are a big deal as much as Roman would be as far as SummerSlam. Because when you're looking at, if you're going to do Triple H and Seth, mm-hmm. the biggest guy that you can put up against Brock I'm, is no, Roman. The next, the next time you put Brock and Roman together, it should be Roman winning the belt. It should be. And you Period. know what? Maybe it will be. I don't think, oh, they're not going to give Brock a one-month title reign. No? Come on. No. I don't know. Because I don't think you want to do the whole, you know, six months of no champion being on TV anymore. When Because you could do that last time when you had Daniel Bryan coming back, even though he never ended up coming back. Like the idea was Daniel Bryan might be back and we'll have him back. I don't know if you want to do that when you don't have big stars to lead the shows. Like, sure, you can put John Cena on the house show circuit as the U.S. champion. But if Brock Lesnar keeps the title after SummerSlam, I mean, he's probably 
I don't know if he's going to be on Night of Champions again this year. Like, he's probably out until Royal Rumble again. Yeah, or Survivor Series. Or Survivor Series. But the, fa- the fact is, you would have several months again without a world champion. Why well, I think Brock, I think they're going to do what they always wanted to do. Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar, this time at SummerSlam instead of WrestleMania, and Roman getting the big win. Because Brock is in for Battleground, he's in for June, July, and August, and then he's going to go away again. And I think now, after you already had the big title reign from Brock Lesnar, you can do a one-month title reign. You know what they would do with that? Because they'd never let Roman keep the belt. They'd have Sheamus cash in right after. Because it's all about the chase a, a now big, for a big, Roman. A big talking point has been that fact, the, Ro- the fact that Roman Reigns was so close to winning Money in the Bank, and then he gets it pulled out from under him. Uh, so close to winning the world title, but pulled out from under him. Um, it's the Wiley Coyote thing. People are talking about Roman Reigns, you know, getting so close, but not getting the job done. And if you have another cash in at SummerSlam, would that be one too many of pulling the rug out from under Roman Reigns? Yes, but that's the Daniel Bryan story as well. Remember? (laughs) Yeah, but Daniel Bryan at least did win the match at one point. He beat John Cena and had the championship. Well, no. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, they'll, they'll do the same thing. He beats Brock. Sheamus comes down, cashes in, authority has the title again. Did it, did it, did it, did it. What if <laughs> what if Sheamus came down because that would be another SummerSlam where this happens? What if you do that? What if you have Brock and Roman Reigns as the main event of SummerSlam? Roman Reigns wins and you get Sheamus coming down to cash in his briefcase and everyone's like, "Oh no, not again. Roman Reigns blah blah blah." But Roman Reigns beats Sheamus because Sheamus is a guy Roman Reigns can beat. Sheamus is a guy that anyone can beat. Well, that's what we thought was going to happen in WrestleMania. Remember, we thought that he was going to beat Brock, and then Seth would cash in and get beat, and then I, Roman would have the the moment with confetti and everything. Yeah, well, you can do that with Sheamus. Yeah, you, you can. can do it, and, and that gives another little tease. That basically effects effectively gives you two teases. You know, you know the whole Brock Roman, and then you have Sheamus. Oh, Sheamus is going to win. There's no way he doesn't. Now, where that is a negative and where they might not even do anything with the briefcase at SummerSlam is then you would have again, six, seven months without any briefcase winner. So no chance really to walk yourself out of a storyline or no saving grace that they usually save until the last possible minute. Right. So I I don't know if they're going to do that too. It's a summer of questions because we have ideas of where they're going with different things. We have ideas of what they want to do. We have ideas ourselves of what they should do, but there's so many people at the top now and, and think of this, you know, there are so many people at the top for years. People have been screaming about how there was no one at the top. You know, all you had is Randy Orton and John Cena who were truly at the top once triple H quit. And once the undertaker wasn't around full time, uh, CM Punk again was only on the top for three years, 2011 to 2013, early 2014. I mean, CM Punk wasn't out there for a lot. Now you have a lot of guys who can theoretically be at the top. Roman Reigns, Brock Lesnar, Seth Rollins, Dean Ambrose even. You can put Sheamus up there. You have, Orton. You have or, Randy Orton, yeah. You have guys who can be at the top of different things. Okay? Mm-hmm. So there are, there are options. I don't now know you if they find the right that, options. Yeah, now you got to find things to do with them, like having Sheamus and Orton fight for 8 million straight weeks. <laughs> yeah, and ain't no one buying Battleground to watch Sheamus and Randy Orton again. We've seen the long matches on Raw. We hate them. Are we going to sign right. up for 10 bucks a month to watch that again on pay-per-view? Nah, we'll pay 70 at WrestleMania to watch it. <laughs> no, not Sheamus and Randy Orton. I'm Randy Orton's biggest supporter, Randy Orton Hall of Fame. 
but I am not watching Sheamus versus Randy Orton. And both of those guys are really good, especially when motivated, especially on big shows. I would not want to see that at a WrestleMania even. What kind of RKO can Randy Orton give Sheamus out of nowhere? What move does... Well, what move does Sheamus have where Randy Orton can counter it into a spectacular RKO? You're putting me on the spot here. No, there isn't one. (laughs) I mean, he goes for the bro kick, Randy ducks and turns around into an RKO. That's not the most spectacular thing unless he's given the RKO to the boot. Maybe he slips out a white noise. Slips out. Yeah, slips out and then gives him a regular standing RKO. It's not like Sheamus is going up top for anything. Right. It's not like Sheamus is going to jump off Randy Orton's back. Wait, hold on. Didn't he do that once? Didn't he try to do like a cross body or he went up on top and Orton did the super RKO to him? To Sheamus? Yeah. Yeah, it could have been. Okay. Let's Google Sheamus Orton RKO. There's other things. There are (laughs) Sheamus. Randy Orton RKOs Sheamus in midair? Yeah. This is impossible. No, I saw it. Well, I guess you did see it because you brought it up. On the WWE Raw in August of 2014, Sheamus skins the cat to get on the top rope, goes up, and yeah, just basically goes up for an RKO. Like you don't even know what he was doing. Uh He was jumping to the middle of the ring. There you go. So I guess that's, I'm still right. There's no move Sheamus has to where he can go into a spectacular RKO unless he just jumps into the middle of the ring for no reason. We will make excuses to give him a impressive RKO. We will indeed. Uh, that's pretty much it from Raw that I wanted to get into. The rest of it was kind of filler. I guess we can talk about if we think someone is going to come join Paige in her fight against the Bellas, who is it going yes. to be? Either going to be Charlotte or Bailey, I think. I, I would think it was, it was going to be someone from NXT. Yeah, and it's, I mean, it's a perfect place to debut Bailey, who is unlike every other woman that was in that Braveheart speech, Norma Ray's speech, whatever you want to call it. The, the question, but, but Char- Charlotte's the easy money here. The question I would have about bringing up a babyface like that is Paige was a little unlikable in that whole segment last night. Yeah. I mean, she was really unlikable. Oh, everybody's unlikable in the divas division. And, and it was one diva after another, you know, calling Paige out for how she always turns on everybody and how she can't be trusted and it was LOL worthy, if you will, when the Divas are calling out Paige for turning on every one of her partner and Paige, all she could come back with is, yeah, but this is about us standing together. Well, that's <laughs> what they're saying. Oh, I know. They're saying you don't stand with anyone. Can't like, wait for AJ to come back. Oh, wait, no. That's <laughs> that, and well, she's done that already. And you, she, she ain't coming back. I mean, who do you have? Beth Phoenix ain't coming back. Tammy Sitch ain't coming back. Lita to plug tough enough. I, I mean, I just, it would have to be Bailey or Charlotte. I don't see anyone yeah. else it could possibly be. Uh, people are trying to think of, okay, who in NXT looks like Paige and can do twin magic to get that. I don't think that's the idea. That's, or her mom. I know they hinted at that, but I don't think she, she hasn't been through the performance center. So yeah, I don't think, uh, I don't think we're getting Paige's mother. I don't think we're going to get the twin magical thing. I think just someone's going to come out and be like, you know what? I've been in NXT. I'm sick of the bells too. Or maybe, other- or maybe no one comes out and maybe just they bury Paige. That could be it. And she goes back down to NXT. 
goes back down to fight Emma. Yeah, I had two other real quick things about Raw that because I I was on Byron Saxton. I think at least he tried. I don't think he was that good, but he tried this week. Byron Saxton, well, he tries. He tries. My contention is always that he tries too hard and he's still bad. And it doesn't help the product when Booker T and Corey Graves are constantly calling out how bad Byron is. Oh, no, no, no. I meant on, on raw commentary. No, I know. Okay. Because last week I, I, I had a joke that I didn't use that he was the sign language commentator because he didn't say anything. I'm glad you didn't <laughs> use that joke. You should have probably <laughs> not used you. it again. I, I, wanted, I wanted to test it. Uh, yeah. It didn't but pass. I, oh, shut <laughs> up. Uh, I think uh, I liked Ryback this week. Yeah. yeah. And that was the other thing. I said, yeah, fire sacks and put Ryback on commentary every week. I thought he was just entertaining as hell. <laughs> During that whole segment, just quick, got it, kept going. I got Miz all over me, and now we're stuck with that three-way, which part of me just – Miz is going to eke out the win in that, isn't he? Two giants and a small guy, it just he's makes, eking out the win. It, it makes the most he's sense. He's eking out the win. It yeah. makes the most sense, and I'm not particularly against that. Um, Ryback in street clothes is pretty impressive. They should do more of that. Better than the airbrushed tights he has. Yeah, I mean, I'm just saying if I mean, because Ryback is a big guy. He's not necessarily a tall guy, but take him out of the wrestling garb and put him in street clothes every once in a while. Put him put him in the Brock role when Brock first started and he was always on TV with the with the wind pants, you know, the windsuit and no shirt on like impressive looking beast guy. You know, if you want Ryback to be taken seriously and, and people, I think, are starting to even more and more. I mean, Ryback, I think, is one of those guys that kind of overachieved on he overachieved on what was originally his tv presentation you know some Mm -hmm. people may still say he underachieved because he was pushed to the moon you know three years ago but i think he's overachieved a little bit um let's let's just be thankful they haven't given him an eating gimmick like other people seemed like they were going to wasn't there like a (laughs) two-week stretch on tv where all he was doing was backstage eating like yeah they call him the big hungry and all he was doing was eating he was just eating you know catering you know nothing wrong with that um, but yeah, they should do that more. Sometimes you just want to put, but you know, big guys out there in in looks that will make them appear even larger, you know, and, and putting Ryback in street clothes next to the Miz is certainly a way to do that. Um, ring of honors this Friday. Yes. A big pay-per-view. Jay lethal. Hyped. Jay Briscoe. Hyped. 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 Champion versus champion. Both belts are on the line. So the winner of this match will conceivably be both the TV champion and the world champion of ring of honor. And my question to you, Jeff, is this the night that Jay Briscoe finally gets pinned? I think so. I think Jay Briscoe or Jay Lethal is going to walk out as a dual champion. I do. I think it's time. I think it's time to see what Lethal can do on top. We know that Jay Briscoe, we can always go back to him. Let's see what Lethal can do. And they, he's built up that TV title so strong. And we've had Jay Briscoe not get pinned in 10 years or 10 years, two years. This is such a great build. For what I hope is going to be a great match. Now there are two by two engaging personalities. Yes. Now there are still there are still people out there who think that they may be saving Jay Briscoe for final battle with Moose of all people. But those are the two possibilities, aren't they? I mean, there's no one else I see in Ring of Honor who can possibly beat Jay Briscoe. It's either Jay Lethal now or it's Moose in December. I I still don't think they're ready to pull the trigger on Moose. But that's me. Yeah, it's still five months down the road. And I I mean, you can do a lot in five months. But yeah, he's not ready now, probably. He's 
I'm just looking at the roster and there are a lot of good guys and they get, you know, they have indie super shows and they have a lot of talent on the shows, but not the talent that can you, that you can make champion and kind of ride your promotion on, uh, because a lot of the biggest stars in the company are not full timers. Right. And it's not like you're going to have AJ styles for every one of your shows. You don't have the young bucks for every one of your shows. A lot of the talent is in the tag team division. You're not giving yeah. Dalton Castle the world title. You're not Tommaso Ciampa isn't even there anymore. You're not giving Michael Elgin the championship at this point. So no. just one of those oh, issues. Oh God, where, no! Oh yeah. God, I never want Michael Elgin to be champ again. Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> oh, TNA Slammiversary is also this Sunday. Uh, TNA has a. Oh no, excuse me. It's not this Sunday. It's next Sunday. Uh, TNA. They have a weird taping schedule, and a lot of it has been made even more apparent because. The original main event for the Slammiversary pay-per-view was going to be Kurt Angle against Ethan Carter III for their world title. That was the original main event. Fun match. It's not going to be the main event of their pay-per-view anymore. What is? King of the Mountain. King of the Mountain is returning, and the Angle EC3 match is going to take place the week after on TNA Impact. It is off of the pay-per-view. They think the gimmick is going to sell more than the match. They don't believe they don't actually think that the reason why they're doing it is because on June 24th, TNA is going somewhat live on Destination America for impact somewhat live because it's going to be like an hour tape delay. Whatever. Okay. (laughs) so they're going they're going live per se. It's going to be the same day on June 24th. And then June 25th or let me get this TV taping schedule. Yeah. June 24th is Wednesday. That's when they're going to do impact wrestling live. June 25th. 26th and 27th are going to be impact wrestling tapings, but their pay-per-view is airing on June 28th live. So those three days in the middle, the 25th, 26th and 27th are tapings for shows that are taking place after the pay-per-view. And they could not find a way to get around people knowing who would win the Kurt Angle EC3 match and other storylines being adjusted because their TV shows for the next three weeks after the pay-per-view were taking place before the pay-per-view. So instead, they're taping the EC3 Kurt Angle match on June 25th for airing on July 1st, and they're going to have a random King of the Mountain match as the main event for Slammiversary on Sunday, June 28th. Yay. Yay. My question, and the only reason I bring this up, is no one's buying this pay-per-view, let's be real. No one's buying Slammiversary. You're nope. taping Angle and EC3 anyway, so people will know who won. It's not like people are going to stop you, uh, stop themselves from buying the pay-per-view because they know who wins Kurt Angle and EC3. Because you're, no matter what you're doing, everyone's going to know who wins that match. Why not just tape Slammiversary on the 25th, that second day of tapings, for airing on Sunday, and then tape your three weeks of impact on the 26th, 27th, and 28th? Why not just have the Sunday pay-per-view as a taped, you know, four-day delay pay-per-view? Because no one's buying it anyway. Because no, you know, well, because nobody's going to buy a taped pay-per-view, period. They, right. They've tried that before. But now your pay-per-view is going to be headlined by a meaningless King of the Mountain match. So, yeah, you better hope that people actually want to see a King of the Mountain match. Rob, you're asking me to describe TNA's business practices and trying to make them logical. I can't do that. I just, you're on this. If you don't think people are going to buy your pay-per-view anyway, then one, why are you running it? 
And two, why aren't you trying to get people to buy it? A lot of these guys deserve better. A lot of the, yeah. And, and you know, there's a lot of talent there, but if yeah. you're doing these tapings before your pay-per-view, just make one of them the pay-per-view and tape TV the rest of the way. So that way everything's still in continuity, you know, P- yeah, some people will know the spoilers. That's fine. But in TNA world, honestly, I think knowing the spoilers for TNA is not a hindrance for people watching the show. It might even be, you know, an advertisement platform for people to watch the show. If they hear this show is so great, they may purchase it when they wouldn't have otherwise. If they hear Angle and EC3 is great, if they hear the X, you know, the Destination X matches or X Division matches are great, they might buy this pay-per-view when they wouldn't have, you know, ordinarily. No, they won't. They'll they'll find it on the internet. (sighs) They'll find it on the internet. They'll just go there. It's just the reasoning. I mean, why not just, okay, if you're not going to run the pay-per-view on a delay, you know, Kurt Angle and EC3, you're going to do it on your weekly TV. Then there's just no point in having the pay-per-view in general. And Mm -hmm. maybe, and maybe the only way they could get the pay-per-view slot now was to promise that it would be live. Maybe that's possible. Maybe they had to run a live show and that was the only way they were going to get the pay-per-view slot. Like maybe the companies are telling TNA, we, we don't like these tape specials, but we'll run your live thing. That's fine. I doubt that's the case. But their scheduling is wacky. You can get their scheduling at impactwrestling.com slash events and just look. I mean, they're taping a ton of weeks of TV before their Slammiversary pay-per-view. So if you were even thinking about ordering Slammiversary, just know that you're probably not going to get anything that's important storyline-wise. Because they don't, they themselves don't want to spoil their own storylines for Impact Wrestling TV. So you're just going to get matches. It's going to be one of those tape pay-per-views that they would do. Just buy Lethal Briscoe. Buy Lethal Briscoe. <laughs> buy it twice. Yes. Buy it so many times. And then show friends. <laughs> In July of 1994, WCW held their first ever Bash at the Beach. This was the night that Hulk Hogan was going up against Ric Flair. Mm-hmm. The Battle of the Legends. But yes. on the other card... On that undercard was a U.S. championship match between stunning Steve Austin and Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. It is match number 74 on our top 100 matches on WWE Network that you must see before you pass away. Uh, So get these matches on your TV screen or follow along weekly with us. You can find out the list at VoicesOfWrestling.com slash STR slash Top 100. Uh, Go to Shake Them Ropes on Twitter and you can interact with us on these matches. I watched this match earlier today, Steve Austin versus Ricky Steamboat. For the U.S. Mm-hmm. title, July of 1994 at Bash of the Beach. Uh, quick thoughts before we go into this one here. Uh, your overall, yeah, your memories of this match uh, from seeing it originally and your uh, maybe did any of your views change watching this again? 94 is when my when Hogan finally came over to WCW. I lapsed hard on WCW because I don't like Hogan. I don't like sports entertainment all that much. I liked what my old school was. So I was getting more into ECW and Smoky Mountain at this time. But I was still watching it. Steve Austin's an odd case, because I was never a fan of his, really, until kind of the Stone Cold run. And I was trying to figure out why, and, and it changed somehow when I finally figured it out. And somebody asked me this on Twitter a while ago, why I didn't think Austin ever really got to where he was in WWE that level in WCW and he was an internet darling um, for those first couple years when he came in because everybody loved his look and they loved his his work rate and whatnot but I think part of it was the disconnect I, I 
he was always the stunning Steve Austin had the, like the long robes at first. And then even with the Hollywood blondes, he had a lot of the glitter and stuff. And his style was more of a brawling style rather than that pretty technical style. And then you listen to his promos and he has, he still had that gravelly voice, which didn't really match the, the, the flowing blonde hair. So I think that's one of the reasons and the other reason was when WCW moved out of the Techwood Drive studios and into center stage, nobody got over on promos because the intimacy was lost. I mean, they even did it differently than how they had done it on the worldwide tapings, you know, in front of like a cardboard three-way thing that you used to do like science fair experiments on. You know, you still had kind of that intimacy with the camera and whatnot. Nobody got over on promos in WCW, with possible exception of Cactus Jack between, like, 92 and 94. And historically speaking, this is the beginning of the end for Austin and WCW. They were going to try and recreate a trilogy with Ricky Steamboat. They had this match. Uh, they had the the next match uh, where, uh, and we'll get into where Steamboat wins, and then they're going to have the rubber match at Fall Brawl of this year. And Ricky, Ricky Steamboat got hurt. And this is where they brought out Duggan to squash Austin in like 35 seconds. And then after that, he got injured and Eric Bischoff gave his walking papers soon thereafter. So that's uh, interesting. And also the other thing about this fall brawl, um, before this match, and this ties into the Dusty thing, is the tag team match between the stud stable of Terry Funk and Funkhouse Buck versus... Dustin Rhodes and Arn Anderson, where Anderson gets the hot tag and turns on Dustin, leading to that great 94 promo of uh, just give me a hug and a kiss. That's all I need to feel the deal, baby. Um, so that's great, and that's worth watching before this as well. But then we get into this match, and uh, I have far more appreciation for it now, I think. I, I just The thing that stuck out to me in this match, and I don't know if it stuck out to you, is with this smaller ring and the bigger bodies and the cable ropes as opposed to the rope ropes that they use in the WWF, these guys are running hard and, and just taking, you know, it, the, the bumps are more brutal to me in this, in this match than I, than I remembered because oh, they're just running at full speed in that ring against were, the ropes. Yeah. Even, even towards the end of the match, I mean, uh -huh. they are running hard hard into those ropes they were running so hard and on like reverse clothesline spots and stuff and spots where they were running at each other i mean they were going so fast that the guy would turn around and the other opponent is already there yeah they were going a little too fast they were but they were trying they were trying for a classic match here right. uh <laughs> i loved i loved austin stalling in this match like with when he was doing the old hollywood they explained the history during the course of the match of how he left the hollywood blondes and he, how he left colonel rob parker and he was now on his own mm -hmm. which was more of a death knell than anything but then they, they did the uh the fake uh my knees hurt spot which blondes used to do all the time i just love about like 2 minutes later i feel better now <laughs> that was so great and, and Heenan, Heenan was pretty good at this going, you know what? He should get a 20-minute rest spot here. We should stop the match for a while. The guy was hurt. Rest up. You should take a break. Yeah. You, don't, um, you don't want these guys wrestling when they're not 100%. Yeah. I, well, I loved the uh, the tombstone spot at the end, well, too. Yeah. That was great. Before we get to that, I will say yeah. that Steamboat was doing a lot of heel characteristics in this match. You think so? Oh, yeah. 
He was using chokeholds. Even Tony Schiavone, the babyface commentator, commentator oh, was mentioning I, how Steamboat was using chokeholds in the match. He was pushing the referee, Randy Anderson, out of the way to kick Austin in the corner after certain things. Like, yeah, you can... I mean, they're kind of heel spots. You can also say it was frustrated babyface and he wasn't going to let the referee stop him and he was just he wasn't going to let the heel, you know, outwit him or anything like that. But they were a little heelish well, I, tactics. Well, I think to go back to the root, the rude steamboats match that we w- watched, uh, it, it's pretty much the same thing. There was something I forget in the build for this match that that Austin did to make steamboat angry. So the kind of the goody two shoes. Ricky Steamboat was out the window at first, and that's why it was like he started stomping on the knee mm-hmm. at the beginning of the match. There was like a blood feud aspect to this, and I can't remember what it was off the top of my head. Yeah, but I, I mean, I thought that was interesting. Again, if you didn't know the context beforehand, I mean, it was pretty clear yeah. that Steve Austin was the bad guy and Ricky Dragon was the, the baby face. But uh-huh. Ricky Dragon was getting away with some uh, stuff in this match. Getting away with it. Um, Austin, midway through the match, hits an Alabama slam. Yeah, that the crowd reacted to as if Austin hit the most devastating move of all time. Like they were oh. ooing and aahing at this one and and Dragon was selling it like death and that his back was broken. The announcers sold it like he had killed him. Yeah. Alabama slam. Bob Holly's finisher that no one ever lost to. Now a transition spot for uh, Cody Rhodes. That's right. It is. <laughs> yeah. Cody Rhodes keeping the memory of team Holly and Rhodes alive with the. uh Alabama slam, but you mentioned the reverse pile driver spot where, you know, one would set up for a tombstone and then you would have the reversal and the reversal and the reversal. And eventually steamboat has Steve Austin there for a tombstone pile driver that he delivered softer than Kane gave to Linda McMahon. Oh, his head didn't even come close to the mat here. He he's practically breaking his own fall with his hands. Like Ricky is just one moment, Steve, I'm going to let you down here. Let you down. Oh, oh, there we go. Yep. Cradle you, baby. Uh, well, Ricky had a nice uh, stun gun in this as well. The stun gun? Yeah. He, 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 Another he heel characteristic. He's stealing yeah. the other guy's moves. Stealing the other guy's moves. Actually, that's the reason why I didn't like. I also didn't like Steve Austin when he first came into WCW was I was a big Eddie Gilbert guy, and Eddie Gilbert stealing was still around. Moves. Yeah, and so he was using Eddie Gilbert's finisher, and I was kind of miffed. <laughs> but, that, but that led into the finish of this one because he hits the pile driver. And then Steamboat mm-hmm. goes up to the top rope to hit his uh, chop again. Right. And Steve Austin pulls Randy Anderson into the way. So Steamboat kind of lets up. And Randy Anderson is threatening to disqualify Steve Austin. Yeah. Of course, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat does not approve of this because a disqualification would mean he doesn't get his championship. It's like, that would not be honorable as well. Yes. Keep this match <laughs> going. I need my title. And yeah, it wouldn't be honorable. All that bullshit. <laughs> I want the championship belt. I need it because Austin was going in as the U.S. champion on this match. So, of course, Randy Anderson decides, you know what? You know, what? I'll just let this match go on. You know, he was. He was what's Damon Moore, the referee from Raw this Monday. Like I saw disqualification tactics, but you know what? I'm just going to let it go. Why not? He's the worst. So (laughs) he lets this match go. Steve Austin goes for a crossbody or no steamboat goes for a crossbody. Austin reverses it, reverses it, presses steamboat for a two count, represses him. And lifts his legs up onto the ropes for leverage and gets the three count. So Steve <laughs> Austin, this dastardly heel, retains the U.S. title, beating Ricky the Dragon Steamboat at he Bash of the Beach 94. He rolls out like this is the biggest victory of his life. Oh, yeah? Well, hey, yeah. He beat Ricky Steamboat. 
two two small other things in this match. Just the uh, the spot where Steamboat rolls down the stairs. That could not have been fun. I don't understand why they put the stairs in the center of the ring <laughs> at that time, but that does not look like it's a fun spot. But the one, the spot that that I do love that that's really fun. I just like when a guy keeps going for continuous pins because the whole point is to get a three count. Yep. I liked that spot. He was. And you never yeah. see that you never see that anymore because it, it 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 emphasizes the sport of the match. The whole point is to get the three count. And if he's trying to exhaust him to the point where maybe he gets it down for three, uh, that's just a cool little thing you never see anymore in sports entertainment. It was, a, it was a pretty good match. I mean, I, it looked like they were going out to have this classic, and they were trying to steal the show from Hogan and Flair. And you know what? They probably did. Kind yeah, of a little. Oh my God, yes. Yeah, um, the Flair-Hogan match was nothing. But I think this match is on the list, basically. Hey, you can see Stone Cold before he was Stone Cold, because the only other option you really have are six-man tags mm-hmm. or the triple threat from ECW against Whipwreck and the Sandman. And that's nothing to write home about. Yeah, so you get your Steve Austin and WCW match. You get Ricky Steamboat and WCW match number seventy four. It's not like it was an all time classic, but uh, still a fun match. Very pretty, fun match. Very fun match happening on a pretty big show for WCW at the time. Next week, match number seventy three is a triple threat match from WWE Vengeance two thousand two for the WWE Championship at the time, the undisputed WWE Championship. The Undertaker defends against The Rock. And the Kurt Angle. Some people said that this might be Kurt Angle's best match. In um, a thread, so I we'll will, see. I will have to watch this again to see because I contend that Kurt Angle's best match was the match with. I know he had some great ones with Chris Benoit. My favorite is still the WrestleMania 21 match with Shawn Michaels. Uh, yeah. I love that Angle match. Uh, but yeah, this will be a triple threat with The Undertaker, Rock, and Kurt Angle from Vengeance 2002. We'll talk about that on the show next week as we roll down to the second quarter of our Top 100 Countdown from WWE.com on matches available on the WWE Network. Uh, next week, we will talk probably a little bit about who the new Ring of Honor champion is. We'll talk about Jay Briscoe and Jay Lethal from ROH. We will talk about... I guess just to follow up all the craziness from Slammiversary to see if it was all still wonky. Oh, no. I keep thinking Slammiversary is this Sunday. It's not. It's, it's next not. Sunday. We'll but we'll see. talk about Bull Dempsey's snack. We will talk about Bull Dempsey's okay. snacking. <laughs> we will talk about uh, anything of note that we need to get into after TNA or, excuse me, NXT tapes TV this week. Uh, NXT is taping TV on the 18th of this week. They're taping it after Wednesday's show, uh, which has the big Samoa Joe and Kevin Owens match. So we'll see what they're doing with Samoa Joe and Kevin Owens in NXT. Uh, We'll talk about whatever happens on Raw as we are in week two of the build-up to the next pay-per-view, WWE Battleground. Next week's Raw is from Indianapolis. Indianapolis, Indiana, my backyard, if you will. If you will. WWE is coming here on Sunday, Father's Day, for a house show, a Roman Reigns house show at the Memorial Coliseum in Fort Wayne. Um... The night before, this Saturday night, Mick Foley is in town. Mick Foley is in town for uh, two of his comedy shows. He's doing a show at 7 and a show at 9.30 uh, at CS3 in Fort Wayne. Of course, anyone listening to this doesn't know what that means, but that's okay. Uh, Mick Foley's here on Saturday. WWE is here on Sunday, and then they're in my backyard on Monday night as they roll into their next pay-per-view, which is in St. Louis. So a lot going on here. I don't think I'm going to go to any of it. (laughs) I'm just plugging them. I'm just saying that they're all here 
but it's of no interest to anybody because I'm not going to it. But no, I mean, like, <laughs> I don't think I'm going to Foley. I wanted to, but I don't think I'm going to. Uh, Sunday, okay. the house show is at 7 and not the usual 5 o'clock start like they usually right. do. So maybe I might be able to sneak away for that. Um, yeah. I don't know. It's a Roman Reigns house show. He's wrestling Seth, I think. I think that's the main event, Seth Rollins and Roman Reigns. But like John Cena's house show tours in Kalamazoo, which is actually a smaller building and a smaller city. I don't know why he's not here. I don't know why they're doing that. So I'll be interested to see who outdraws because sometimes Fort Wayne is weird with what draws and what doesn't. Uh, But uh, if I end up going to any of those shows, I guess the point is I will give an update on it on next week's Shake Them Ropes. Oh, nice. We'll talk about it if I decide at the last minute, which is what I'm prone to do. I went to the NXT show in Columbus uh, an hour before the deadline, basically, to decide. (laughs) I went last minute. I'm this guy who goes last minute. I went to an ROH show once in Chicago. I started the drive, the three-hour drive to get there, an hour and a half before bell time. It was super last minute. Had to get there. Sometimes I just do that. I decide I'm not going to going to uh, go to a show and then the show is upcoming and I'm like, you know what? I want to go. So I go. So chances are I might actually be at the house show on Sunday. Who knows? I don't know. If you listen to the show and you live in the Indiana area and you're going to any of those shows, hit us up on Twitter at shake them ropes, visit the website voices of slash S T R. And you can find all the information for subscribing to us on iTunes, Stitcher, RSS, downcast, tune in YouTube and any podcatcher that you use, we are downloadable. You can get our episodes as soon as they arrive. Go to voicesofwrestling.com for more information on us. Jeff Hawkins, I say goodbye to you. I say goodbye to the people. Bye-bye. Too much TNA talk. Not enough hockey talk. In a world of one million wrestling podcasts, there is a new shining star with great interviews, analysis, music, and, and me, Matt Coon, on total engagement. Go to any podcast platform to listen today. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.